This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host Ajit. Today we have a very special guest, a journalist who works exclusively in cricket and shares one of my passions, radio. Hello Mark, welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. H- Hello Ajit, I've got to, I've got to uh um correct you slightly on what you said there. I do I do work a lot in cricket. I also do uh, a lot of football and um and and other sport I say other sport actually just football cricket and occasionally um and hopefully less occasionally um a bit of UK politics as well um but um yeah it's sadly not exclusively in cricket yet I mean that would be a dream though and hopefully one day in the future that would happen well thanks for showing up my research sorry sorry no I'm teasing you <laughs> yeah. but you have every right to correct uh, what i said so in any case welcome to the podcast we already had a bit of a chat off air and i really loved the banter we had going so i think we should continue i would like to first of all ask you the question i ask every guest of mine what brought you to cricket what's keeping you in cricket um so my i, I think if if you follow me on on social media on i'm on twitter at @martinchado uh you'll probably know i'm a big sri lanka fan uh Shankar cricket fan uh when when I was well not when I was growing up my parents still uh my mum's anglo indian in a very traditional sense of the word so uh mm. a, a lot of her family were were english people from who were for various well not, because of the empire were were in india and uh some members of her family were were from an indian uh background my mum was actually born and raised in alabad or what's now called priyagraj in all UK. right and and my dad comes from colombo and uh, obviously they met in london in the early 80s or late 70s and and then i came to be in the mid 80s and when i first started to kind of um the the big year for me for getting into to sport was was 1996 right, right. and obviously there there was a cricket world cup for that year and all my uncles i didn't i didn't really have many there wasn't a huge amount of my dad's family in london at the time um but my 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 whole the whole of my mum's family were there and they they're split between supporting india and england and but obviously if if you know what happened at the 1996 world cup cricket world cup uh then you'll know it it was a miraculous occasion for the shrunken cricket team and they ended mm. up winning so it was uh uh my, my dad i suppose got lucky and that's when i got hooked on it i mean before that i've even got memories of my dad taking me to the oval as a very small child very small uh to go and watch the, uh, sri lanka when they'd come over and my dad uh, my mum's brothers used to play a lot of club cricket on mm-hmm. on the weekend as well so we used to go and watch them and i used to uh i had a little bat when i was a basic a little bit old in the toddler and and my parents used to throw balls at me and I used to have to hit them and I used to really enjoy it so cricket was definitely a big part of me um when I was growing up and then I think I I got very lucky supporting Sri Lanka because um you know off the back of that 96 team they had some absolute greats you got uh uh Aravinda uh, De Silva who's you know was a very classy batsman um and he was also you know g- g- got quite a big reputation playing county cricket as well then he got Arjuna Ranatunga who who is just was was an exceptional captain of of that side as well and he had some really entertaining players like Jimin Davas and uh Kalu and and then when that 96 team starts to kind of fade away you have the emergence of people like Dilshan and uh Sankara and Jai Wardner and uh Malinga and kind of almost across all of that you've got uh Mitai Muralitharan as well right who mm-hmm. you know for my money he's the, he's the greatest turner of the ball that's ever been in in cricket and which is why I named the podcast that I do the Murali end because I spent much of my childhood watching Sri Lanka play cricket and if they were playing a test cricket in particular almost half the overs they bowled in any given match would be Murali from from one end um causing absolute nightmares for for the opposition batsmen 
uh, right? And then you contrast that to what was going on with English cricket at the time, which has basically spent the last kind of 30, even maybe 40 years, very lost for most mm. of it. Um, having, you know, having some great moments, but I mean, they went the whole 90s without ever winning a series against Australia, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, compare and contrast this to uh, the kind of, you know, at, at times it is a bit of a roller coaster to support in Sri Lanka, but that Sri Lanka team was entertaining and, and it was, it was feisty and it was confident and it was innovative. And, and that's what really got me into, uh, th- this kind of love affair I've got with, with cricket, um, in general now. Wonderful. You also have a very unique background because, well, there could be two cricketing cultures that could be clashing at home. So, did you ever feel that pressure growing up that you had to support one team or the other? I I I think um, going into that kind of uh, as you know, ninety six is a key year for me in terms of in terms of my sports and allegiances. I think it could have gone either which way. I think it could have gone any of the three, right? So it could have been India, it could have been uh, Sri Lanka, it could have been England. Uh, mm. You know, my mum to this day says she supports England over anywhere else because she says she's lived there the longest. Um, which, mm. you know, that's absolutely fair enough. Uh, but my mum doesn't follow cricket the way I do. I think for me as well, uh, when I, when I think about Sri Lanka and, and, you know, I've been lucky enough, I've been to Sri Lanka about 14 times. How my main connection to that island, to that part of my heritage is through the cricket team, especially because I don't come from a Buddhist background, both sides of every, every bit of my family's. Uh, Catholic and I'm at best a very lapsed Catholic at worst totally totally <laughs> an atheist right so a lot of the the culture and tra- and traditions around um you know around being Sri Lankan are, are slightly lost on me maybe but you know the cricket is such a big part of it and when when any of my friends and family come over from so it's it's the only thing they talk about Un- unlike I think in India where you know that there's in- Bollywood and Indian cinema and Indian music um, it is a massive part of the culture. I think in in Sri Lanka, you know, there of course Sri Lankan cinema and Sri Lankan music exist, and I love I love listening to Baila and stuff like that. But its yeah, main Baila. kind of its main kind of calling card to the rest of the world, I think, is um, is the cricket team, right? It, it, it that that's how people will know it, and it's I suppose I I also think I, I just got lucky with the time I was born, where Sri Lanka had an incredible. Uh, side for for almost all of it till about five or six years ago, right? They were uh, uh, they were well beaters. They've had a you know they've had a few years where it hasn't you know quite gone their way. But I th- I, I like to think that we're on the way back up. We've got some exciting players coming through, so um, I, I think you know we'll, we'll reach those heights again. And it's always and I, I think actually it's much a shame for supporting any of the South Asian sides. There's always something going on in, in, in their cricket cultures. There's always some kind of drama. Um, and, and I think in, in all, you know, four, if, even if you want to add Nepal in, into that and, and Afghanistan in all those countries, they're almost, uh, kind of sporting monocultures, right? Where mm-hmm. cricket is the biggest show in town. Um, I know, I know possibly if you're in India, you might be talking about football at the moment because FIFA, um, Put the, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, but but you know, I, I'd say m- much like in in England, where kind of ninety percent of all the sports coverage is about football. I think in that in that part of the world, I'd say it's probably even more so. I'd say in, in Sri Lanka, it's about ninety nine percent of all sporting coverage is about mm-hmm. cricket. And in India, and in India, I can't speak for other two places. I'm just assuming here. But I, I, in India, I reckon it's probably about what ninety percent, if not uh, a little bit more. Is is about it's all it's all about the cricket team, right? It's all about cricket. That that's and I, I think especially from a male perspective, um, so much of of the the kind of Sri Lankan male psyche is pinned upon the 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 current past and future exploits of of, of the cricket team, right? Um, it may it you know the cricket team was bought. If you look at the history of Sri Lanka since mm-hmm. independence it's not particularly been it's not been glorious but the moments of there's the the moments of utter glory have actually been bought by the cricket team so i, I think that's why it's such an important part of the Sri Lankan culture no i understand i understand and i had the let's say i had the fortune of actually talking to um, some other uh, cricketing uh, journalists from sri lanka and i understand how much of a culture 
uh, it is it's not just sport it's more than that isn't it always so pretty much like any other part of south asia i can understand where you're coming from that was that was a very interesting uh, well introduction now if you were to get into the sporting uh, events that we wanted to talk about so the first one would be well it's a test match focused podcast so let's start with the england south africa tests england are not doing particularly well it's just the first afternoon yet and uh, they are 116 for 6 against south africa's uh, quartet of uh, really good fast bowlers but i mean does it surprise you that baseball can sometimes lead to this sort of a result to start off uh n- no uh, i think this is the risk of uh well, i think we've got to call it Ajit. i think we've got to call it so called baseball because uh seemingly um uh-huh. they they don't like it being called that right um right, so right. i think but i think this is the risk of of, of baseball right because it's high risk um high reward but also it, it can it can end in quite dramatic failure i'd say du- during my uh tenure on this planet and and watching the english cricket team its greatest ally has been mm-hmm. the weather and yet again today that the weather has played its part because england were 116 or are 116 for 6 and now the rain's come down at the time of recording this it's, it should be kind of into that final we should be just coming up after tea right on mm-hmm. the first day but it looks to me and i i'm not that far away from from lords it looks to me that i think that they it'll be i'd be very surprised if there was any more play today which means that it kind of gives um the 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 team time to kind of go inside and regroup a little bit and re-strategize a little bit. I mean Ollie Pope looked really good today. Um mm-hmm. I think he's been one of the big winners in in the in the uh since the restart uh because I know after the the ashes um so so I I don't know if you guys have ever really rehash you know if I'm rehashing old ground as it were oh no no go on no it's okay go on but 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 I think after after the ashes there was a feeling in England of total deflation about uh the red ball side and then they went to the west indies with everyone kind of expecting them to to win a series even though they they have a terrible record out there and obviously they weren't able to do that that resulted in and and in the price while they did that they made what now feels like quite a bizarre uh um thing to do when they dropped Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad and they mm-hmm. made a decision to to get rid of Chris Silverwood off the back of that tour uh mm-hmm. so Basim Collins come in he's had an exceptional start to the season i i i'll be honest actually i wasn't excited about england playing test cricket this summer after that that west indies series i thought it'd be another slog the only uh-huh. kind of upside to it i could see was that i thought the way England are playing that like mo- most matches will probably be over after about three and a bit days so maybe I might get that extra day to myself um and and it's it was it was just depressing to cover it was it was horrible to cover because you kind of we just run out i, I think you know i f- i really felt there was after i think the the third match of the ashes i think it was a boxing day match i was just like mm-hmm. i've just run out of ways to describe how bad this is um <laughs> None, none of the players are are reaching their potential apart from maybe Joe Root I think he was the only one and none of the players look like they're enjoying it as well and it feels mm-hmm. in a way it feels kind of cruel to have these guys go over to Australia and just get absolutely hammered mm-hmm. um but it's it seems to have all changed right and and I did you know one of the things I was thinking is I think they just need to change the manager because right. I think they just need to bring someone who brings them joy and i i don't think you know i and i think part of the reason why they're trying to distance themselves from baseball is i think it's been as simple as lads mm. let's just go and have a good time and play our natural games and see what happens and if it comes to you know if if we end up batting on uh you, you know with a day and a day and a final session left right. and we need to, we need to chase you know 400 let's just have a go like why yes. not yeah and they did it three or four times right in the summer yeah, unbelievably yeah. well unbelievably well uh i mean johnny bestow looked and i know he got out for a duck today and i think it was quite dramatic the wicket as well or, mm. or um but i th- i it was it was just a pleasure to see athletes at the top you know at the top of the game um playing at the top of their game right um Actually, I'm not sure for, for exactly because I'll be honest I haven't done all my research on you. No, nah, no, nah, go on. 
I don't believe you've played international cricket, right? And Absolutely never, not. I'm, I've I'm never, a few I, rungs well below international cricket. And I've never got anywhere near it as well. I, I, I'm a few rungs below wherever you, you're at. Um, <laughs> and, and, and probably even below that. Um, but, you know, for me, the idea of, of, of playing international cricket, just imagine mm. the, the honour and privilege of, of someone coming up to you and going, you are one of the best p- cricket players in this nation. You need right. to represent us on a world stage. I think that should be a joyful moment, right? I think that should Absolutely. be something that's fun. And my fear was after that West Indies series, is I was like, I think there's people who dread being on this, this, it, dread being picked for these tours. And I think you were starting to see it with with the way some players were having to take really long breaks from playing cricket. I think they were having to go and regroup. And you know, we, we can talk about uh, uh, mental health issues, but. Uh, I think a lot of that is the stress that these mm-hmm. these guys are under, and and if if the easiest way I think to to help those guys out, we can never stop mental, you know, players developing mental health issues totally because mm-hmm. it's a natural thing. But if English cricket kept on the path it was on, then I think they were gonna. It was only ever going to get worse. So I'm so grateful this reset happened because I think it, you know. People are having a good time, and ultimately, cricket is it is at whichever level you play at, it's a sport, and therefore, it's about having a fun time doing it, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you get on the field, until you get on the field, you have everything else. But the moment you get on the field, you're just playing the game for the sake of playing it. Nothing more, nothing less, right? And look, uh, yeah, representing your country should be the highest honor as well as the most exciting day of your life, the first time you do it and so on, right? We always say it like this, but being in those bubbles infinitely long and the pressure that comes with delivering, because again, I always said, I don't know how Sachin Tendulkar lived day to day with the kind of pressure over a billion people just simply expecting he never lets them down. How do you live that life, right? So I, I don't know the mental makeup. You need to actually sustain that and not just break down under it. Do you, so know, it, do you know what, right? I accidentally, this was a long time ago now, this was during 2010. Mm-hmm. I I play a lot of rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, my, my rugby career is winding down, but at the time, you know, I was still involved and, and basically one of my friends from school had got picked to play for England in the World Cup game, but the World Cup was in, in New Zealand. Sorry, this was 2011. Mm-hmm. And um, the match he was playing in uh was overnight or not overnight i think it kicked off at like five in the morning or something so me and my friends and in our infinite wisdom and uh in, in the in stupidity of youth let's say mm-hmm. decided that we were going to stay up all night drinking in the shepherd's bush area which is in west london and then go go and watch the game so we we did this we watched the game as you can imagine we were quite drunk afterwards um and by the time we kind of finished and got out it was about eight or nine o'clock i think uh, about 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. in, in in the morning we were looking for something to eat and we went to i don't know if they have these in the netherlands but do you have a nando's do you have we nando's? don't have a nando's but something like that you may have yeah. a mcdonald's you may have kfc uh, nando's we don't yeah so so nando's for those who don't know uh i know you get them in australia and, and obviously there's, there's loads of them in, in the uk they're a little bit more kind of um restaurant like than a mcdonald's so you have to you still have to mm-hmm. go up and order but they bring the food to your table basically and it's 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 like right. it's not fast food but it's not it's not slow food either it's somewhere in the middle basically mm-hmm. so i've sat down at this table and actually there, there was two of my friends there um, who are who were who are Gujarati? I was going to say were, but you never stop it from a, a, a Gujarati background in in um, mm. uh, but born here. And my other friend uh, who who is um, actually from Malawi. And basically, I looked around and I was like, "Is that Sachin?" T-? I was like, "That guy looks so much like Sachin Tondulkar." <laughs> and I had a few drinks, obviously. And then yes. I turned around and I was like, "Oh my god, that's Sachin Tondulkar!" And then I said. Sachin, is it possible I can get a photo? And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. And I got yeah. a photo with him, which I've Fantastic. subsequently lost because I've lost that phone. Um, but And then I realised within about within about three minutes of me noticing Sachin Tundalka in, in, in Nando's mm. in Westfield Shepherd's Bush, half the restaurant, which that part of London, mo- a lot of people are... Um, 
if not from a South Asian background, they're probably from an area of the world where they like cricket. So there's a lot of South Africans there and a lot of Australians there. We're, we're, all, we're, we're basically rushing to the table and accidentally uh, ruined Sachin's lovely Ooh. lunch. Um, and I think I think Arjun was there as well because he was a young kid, but I th- he was with his family right. eating. And then right. as I, as I, we we nearly finished the meal, we we were walking out. Um, the manager basically thanked me for recognising him and had oh, told wow. me the manager who was South African had, ah. had run run across and bought a digital camera to come and take photos with him. Wow. Um, so yeah, I think you know, partic- I think more so for the Asian players because the flip side of that is. Is I've also been in in a in a Starbucks in London where um, Stuart Broad and Joe Root and this was actually probably about three or four years after this incident mm-hmm. were were sitting down and having a coffee uh, with with somebody I think it was from the ECB I think it was a a media manager or someone and the mm-hmm. the Starbucks Starbucks was packed and I was the only person there who recognised who they were so uh, you know. Enough. It's but but the flip like yeah it is fair enough and it, and it's great in some ways they can still remain anonymous like that the 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 sad thing is though not the sad thing the funny thing is is could you imagine if Joe Root was just walking around Mumbai or or Colombo oh, he just no. wouldn't be able to right he'd just get mugged. no 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 yes yeah. I mean I think our region people from South Asia they're way too aware about their heroes I mean here I've seen you won't believe it I've seen um, Daniel Craig I've seen some big oh, wow personalities air quotes just walking around on the streets of Amsterdam nobody giving a flying whatever right yeah He's some guy I mean I've had the pleasure of not shaking Kalis's hand because we were both at the loo and he said I'll not shake your hand my hands are wet yeah so yeah. here you can you can live your own life and not really uh, bothered by it I think uh, that's very important I think uh, certain cricketers of uh, certain countries can't get it I think I recently today in fact I saw a photo of Pakistani team just walking around Amsterdam Central and taking a few photos. I think one of the cricketers had posted it on Twitter. You would never be able to do, do that in India or in any part of South Asia, right? No. Well, if you look at how South Africa's team is stacked up, they had four fast bowlers today. I mean, not a lot of surprise considering considering they're playing at large. It's always sort of favored good fast bowling, right? And there's that amazing slope you could use if you know what you're doing. And so, at least, how do you see the first test going? So, well, let's just say England get to 200 somehow, by hook or by crook. How do you see the rest of the test unfolding, really? Oh, it's really interesting, right? Because if you'd asked me this uh, at the beginning of the summer, I'd be like, oh, well, England's going to lose. But now I think, actually, it's slightly mm-hmm. overcast in England. It's a bit cooler. I mean, we've seen that the, uh, the South African quicks have a real good go at it today. I just mm-hmm. wonder what Jimmy and, and uh, uh, Matty Potts and, and Stuart Broad might be able to do and I wonder how much of a of a uh, you know how much is a good total here right if mm. if you know you said if they can get to 200 I wonder if they can get to about 250 somehow mm-hmm. and and le- let's be honest if that's going to happen Stuart Broad well sorry Oli Pope's going to have to 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 probably carry his bat all the way through right or to to the end now uh, and not get out then I think that might be a competitive total. The only thing I will say mm-hmm. is I do think one of the problems with English cricket is its arrogance recently. <laughs> no, not recently. Over, you know, over, over the years, right? Um, if, you know, England didn't win a white ball tournament for a very long times, you know, from its, um, you know, they, they didn't win the 50 over World Cup till, till 2019. And if yes. you go back and you read about some of the stuff the players, who were playing, say, before going into kind of key matches, you'll be you'll you'll be horrified with with how <laughs> with the arrogance and the ego of some of these players, right? Where they basically thought, right, if 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 they played first class cricket in England and played an X amount of test matches, that they should be able to skittle out, insert India, mm. Pakistan, Sri Lanka here, right? Right. Um, right, right. And and I, I bef- before going into the game, I did I did a preview for Murley End about this match the other day, and right. the thing the the one player from South Africa I said I think they've got to watch and they've got to have a plan about was Rabada, mm-hmm. and it was just so obvious from the first few overs that whatever plan they did have or whatever you know however much they'd watched him it wasn't enough because he got two wickets very early on, and that mm-hmm. kind of set the tempo for uh, the rest of the South African attack. 
to come in. I, I mean, uh, I can never pronounce his name. Nokia. Nokia. Uh, Nokia. Uh, yeah. he, he, he's, he's, he's been absolutely superb, right? Mm-hmm. Um, today. And, but, you know, I think a lot of the damage was done by Rabado at the top. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I mean, though, the flip side of that is, as I said that to begin with, what, what, what will the English quicks do on this pitch? Who knows? It's an, it's an excellent question. Look, Stuart Broad and Anderson are still there. They're still pretty much the pinnacle of, you know, the art of how to bowl on these sort of pitches in these sort of conditions, right? And Potts has acquitted himself pretty well so far. So with these three, and I, I would not put it past England to not drag themselves all the way to 250 or maybe more than 200 already, right? It's just 84 runs. And you need one big cameo, one like a 34, 40, and then a bunch of eights. But you're absolutely right. Pope will need to carry his bat, get to 130, 140, not out. But when you look at their bowling, right, uh, Leach to hold up one and, and the other three to plug away, continue. So I don't think it'll be that easy. 250, you're absolutely right, is a decent uh, total. And even if they get to 200, air quotes, bass ball is all about the fourth innings, isn't it? So England will be setting the total in this case. They will not get a chance to chase. They have been really good at that through the summer. But with the bowling, even if they were to get, let's say, 275 or anything above, they will fancy their chances of winning the test with the bowling attack that they have brought in. So that, that at least that's the way I, how I look at it. But it, the upcoming tests will be very pretty interesting as well because if these two to three bowlers, I think Marco Janssen brings a whole new dimension to the South African attack. So if you look at what's coming with one in Old Trafford, one in the Oval, um, I think it will be a very, very competitive and a wonderful series. So before we go away from uh, cricket in England, test cricket in England altogether, I think uh, we were looking at the uh, new future store program that's been announced for 2025 and 2027 seasons. But, well, there will be no test cricket in England in August and September next year. You are reminding me, right? Yeah, yeah. and and I think this is quite seismic, right? And and there'll be no test cricket in England in August and September, I think, till the end of that calendar, right? The, and wow. Until 2027, 2027, mm. which feels a long way away. Um, and I, I think this is a massive moment in in the history of cricket. Um, that part of the reason that they're talked about freeing up is to make sure English players are available for the hundred. Um, mm-hmm. which is, if you don't know, it's, it's a, it's a new format in its second season. It's a hundred mm-hmm. balls. They don't okay. play overs as such each over, but I can't remember if they were allowed to call it that or not. No, they're it's, called sets, I think. Sets. Each, each yeah. set of five balls. It's a set. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So they've changed a lot of the terminology around it. Mm-hmm. And, I, I th- you know, this is the ECB's big play, I think, mm-hmm. to try and uh, create a, a viable franchise tournament um, that will, I, I don't want to say rival the IPL because I think the IPL now is so big, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you can't really rival it, but I think it could possibly complement it. And we've seen, we, you know, I, I'm sure on, on previous pods, you've probably talked about this um, South African uh, franchise um, coming that starts next year, and and the franchise in the UAE, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, there's all sorts of of, of discussions about um, what what the future of the Big Bash might look like, and it it feels like we're heading towards a situation where the the IPL owners uh, mm-hmm. will, will try are, are kind of almost in the land grab at the moment. So <laughs> you know, they've all you know. Most, I think most of the teams have bought teams in the UAE and South Africa, even though those sides, those tournaments, some of those tournaments will run concurrently. There'll be Mm -hmm. some overlap with them. And I wonder if the future is, because, you know, Andrew Strauss gave gave an interesting interview at the lunch break um, on on TMS where he talked about he's doing this whole project looking at the future of English cricket and where, you know, what might happen in the future. And he was right. talking about, um, you know, m- making a hundred as good a tournament as possible and trying to bring the best players in. And I was like, I really think the way, you know, he's potentially opening the door to the, the, the friend, the hundred franchises being sold off to IPL owners and, and wow. in turn, in turn, the hundred, w- whether it stays the hundred or whether it, it goes back to, or, or 
becomes a, a kind of more regular 2020 20 to, uh, T20 tournament, uh, being part of this kind of global franchise system um, mm-hmm. that that runs um, alongside the IPL and alongside the other franchise systems, uh, um, the franchise leagues that will be played across the world as well. And, you know, because I, th- I, I think the future of cricket, you know, in 10 years time when it's a turbulent moment for cricket at the moment, which is why it's so interesting, right? And it's why, you know, what keeps attracting people like me and you to, to, to keep refreshing the ESPN Crick Info pages, right? Because <laughs> what, what you know, if, if you're a fan of, of the big three, England, Australia and India, then you probably, you know, you probably hold cricket, uh, 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 sorry, test cricket as the most sacred format. And you can't, you know, you want to see as much of it played as possible. But actually, if you understand the the politics and the finances of almost every other nation, then you'll understand that test cricket just doesn't pay. It doesn't look after itself. It doesn't wipe its own face for mm-hmm. a lot of the other nations, right? And I think that actually potentially, the, the, the not potentially, the future of cricket is T20 cricket, right? It, right. it's it's more uh it's more palatable to a wider audience and it and it's easier to market um but i but i don't think that means that anyone wants to anyone who currently plays test cricket wants to stop playing test cricket i just think mm-hmm. they're going to finance it through t20 cricket exactly i mean i think you hit it on the head when you say test cricket will live vicariously through the gains of t20 and hundred of 60 or whatever you call it right whichever yeah. tournament so the problem is test cricket will still be played but what Ravi Shastri said shocked us all a couple of weeks back when he said shrink the number of people that are allowed to play test cricket to six make it that much more competitive make it that much more interesting let everybody else play qualifiers to get to be a part of that six right and then what the rest of them do is continue to play limited hours cricket and learn and get better and hope to be a part of the big table, right? So to say. So it, it shocked us, but I mean, look, Ravi Shastri is no no idiot. He's been in this uh, game, following it, playing it, coaching everything, right? So for decades now. So maybe he sees the right way forward. But as a purist, as a classicist, it shocks you when somebody tells uh, you cannot play test cricket simply because it doesn't earn, but that is absolutely the truth. So Across many countries, test cricket is played in empty stadiums, except maybe the top three, you're right, right? And then the boards find find it very difficult if they cannot have limited overs games to get the tour cost balanced out, so to say, right? And that's that's the reality and it has to be faced no matter which way we go. But when we look at the practicalities of how this is going to pan out, the FTP is actually reflecting that. More and more limited overs cricket, less and less test cricket and Test cricket sort of restricted to uh, elite competitions, elite with the World Test Championship still in place. Most teams will get to play at least six um, opponents, but they get to, I think, pick and choose. They get to actually not pick certain opponents if they don't want to, right? So, for example, England not going to West Indies, India not going to certain countries and so on and so on. So there are plenty of uh, examples there. But look, this is, you're absolutely right when you say cricket is standing at a, at a very crucial juncture, which way it turns. Whether we accept that Test Cricket will live off uh, the shorter formats, but Test Cricket is here to stay because it cannot yet find a room for itself. It's it's also about what is available for one as a follower of Test Cricket. We don't have that kind of time. So whenever I explain Test Match Cricket to anybody here, I start off with a joke. I say, when you switch on TV, if they're playing in white, don't follow that cricket. It's the longer <laughs> format. And after five days, they shake hands and they walk away. A draw is an acceptable solution. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? But that's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. So test match cricket actually belongs to an era where people had a lot more time, free time on their hands. And there was not a lot to do. right? So, But having established itself as the premier format, it will continue. And as I said, we'll see which way it has to flow. right? So we were already sort of touching upon the travails of certain cricket boards. I think that brings us right away into... Well, the other series that's going on in my neck of the woods, Netherlands versus Pakistan. Uh, sadly, I haven't seen much of that. Um, mm. I've been overjoyed with how much cricket the Netherlands have been playing this summer, though, right? Because absolutely, it, it's you know, as a, a we talked about this off air before before we start recording, 
you know, Sri, Sri Lanka's quite, uh, Sri Lanka's story in cricket is quite uh, special because they've, you know, that they, they've been allowed to, to, to have a seat at the top table and at points they've flourished. I mean, there's also been at points where, uh, you know, they've had all the issues with, with boards and sports ministers and, and scandals with players and all, and all that, like everyone else has. But the, the game has developed in the way a game should develop. And I think if you look back at the history of cricket, too many occasions there has been when the game has had a chance to, to, to flourish and develop in, in other parts of the world, it's basically not been allowed to. Um, and if you, if, if you, I, I think if what, what's happened to kind of Bangladeshi cricket, which actually, if you go look at the structures that they've got in place in Bangladesh in terms of producing players, what the domestic setups like, and, and the kind of quality of players they produce. None of that is bad. In fact, it's probably much more solid. It's, it, 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 it's much more better built than, than a lot of places in the, that play test cricket. However, mm. that for whatever, diff, you know, for various different reasons, they've just not had the, the, the kind of highs that I suppose Sri Lanka have had, um, over the years. And, and because of that, because of that, because of its bad PR, I suppose, Bangladeshi cricket hasn't really been allowed to flourish. And, you know, definitely in England, people still kind of, you know, they, they don't see Bangladesh as a serious cricket player nation. I mean, I've, I would consider actually Bangladesh as a cricket culture, probably more developed than England's, but it's hard to articulate that to people, uh, basically because people look at it pure on the, purely on the finances in some ways, if that, if that makes sense. But actually, you know, um, the Bangladeshi board is is reasonably functional. They've got quite a lot of money, and and they've been quite innovative with some of their coaching appointments. Where England, mm. it's 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 boom or bust, right? And it's more <laughs> often than not, it's bust, and it for English cricket. Um, so I, I I'm really I really like to keep an eye out for the the the, the, the cricketing minnows, as it were. I mm. think it's brilliant how much cricket the Netherlands have been able to play the, this year. And hopefully, you know, I've I've got a lot of questions about cricket in in the Netherlands because I'd love to see them become a thriving nation. Um, right. And you know, what what is the you know I'm, I'm th- I suppose I'm throwing this back at you. What what is the the goal of 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 the people who run cricket in the Netherlands? Is it to get test status or is it to uh, to have a, a much more competitive white ball team? Well, I think short term, I would say, is to make the white ball team much more competitive and well-respected. I, I cannot, I dare say, speak for the powers that be here. But the way I see it being uh, planned, um, they want to become a real um, a real power to reckon with when it comes to shorter formats. Maybe do well in the World Cups, right? I think that'll be the shortest uh, goal for now. And eventually get enough people involved that they can expand. There's a huge cricket base already in the Netherlands, but expand more players probably there's no more than 150 professional players or maybe 200 from whom they can actually choose they want to probably increase this where people find that they can also earn through cricket so it's a long drawn out process plenty to go into but if i were to put it in a nutshell probably get really good at what they're doing get enough results that they put themselves on the map and then go from there and even though there's been a lot of cricket played in the netherlands this summer including you know there's still two more uh, matches against Pakistan and, and, mm. you know, they came close that Pakistan only won the first, um, ODI by, by 16 runs. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the Netherlands could, could win the series. Um, how have they, how have the Netherlands seen this summer as, have they seen it as a success because they've got teams over and, and, and at points being quite competitive or mm-hmm. do, do, with, with the lack of wins, is that, has that been an annoyance for them? I mean, I think the lack of wins will stay a little bit in the background for now because we know as a team where we are, I would think. I mean, it would not surprise anybody if they went through the entire season without winning a game. It would definitely disappoint the group. And But realistically speaking, that can be one of the outcomes that could come up. But first, we take that people are coming. We are very competitive. We had four different teams visiting. I think this is the first time, if ever, maybe in a very, very long time that we had four teams visiting Netherlands in a summer, right? And then we would like to replicate that often and often and thereby get to a point where we'll at least start overturning one game in a series. And then eventually, maybe in two or three seasons time, clinch one of those series entirely, right? So it's going to be a very... um, 
it's going to be a long drawn out uh, journey and i think people here understand that that, that that's amazing um it must be amazing for the uh, dutch public to have some of the best cricketers in the world come over you know that england white ball team is amazing the there's so many great cricketers from new zealand and west indies and and that to end the summer with uh barbara's arm and, and rizwan mm-hmm. in 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 the country must must be uh, incredible how, how is that how other other um I want to say indigenous Dutch people embracing cricket or is there a long way to go with that? Uh, if you mean by indigenous uh, people who are local to this these parts, yeah. uh, there are certain clubs, big clubs, which are well known and they have a standing. And there you would find the local people pretty much participating and they have a very strong culture of local people from these clubs playing for Netherlands, right? Including some clubs in the East, right? So, but th- there are pockets of these teams where people uh, come up and play, but it's not a very common thing. You will not see it very often that even in a place like Amsterdam, we struggle to, with so many clubs, so many cricket clubs, we struggle to put one or two cricketers into the Dutch team from here. So who are, you know, native. So it's it's a very uh, long drawn out process. And also the point is you have to get into the system early and stay in the system throughout. That's when it's easy for the board that's when it's easy for the players because they know that there's a certain lifestyle. So you get into that lifestyle. So you cannot fall off the wagon for a year and think you can come back that easily. So you start from under 16 level, you stay in that path and then you move into the Dutch team, something like this, right? So um, there are very few chances of somebody coming from outside and suddenly getting into the system. That's very tough. So these systems are very strictly grooved. So the board is also, I think, thinking of other ways where they can try and still include impressive players from the leagues who may have come into this country over a short period of time and may have done enough to qualify and then play for the Netherlands. So this is all underway, I think. So it's it's, it's a journey that will be uh, of a thousand steps, but the steps are being taken even as we speak. Amazing. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to, w- to where it all lands. And, you know, because I, I think every country that, that becomes a strong cricketing country makes cricket stronger, right? Um, and, and right. you know, we, we should be in, encouraging everyone to, to play as much cricket as possible, in my opinion. But, Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. So, well, I mean, Dutch would feel a bit disappointed to have lost just by 16 runs or seven. You know, they could have won quite easily had they been a bit more... Uh, bit more restrictive in their bowling over the last couple of overs. But, I mean, they they came to within 16 runs. So, it's, it's a big gain there. And maybe in one of the upcoming ODIs already, we see the turnaround and they maybe beat Pakistan. I Even though I know it's a little bit of a pipe dream for me, I really hope it happens. So, now if you were to quickly brush through the other T20 areas yeah. currently in progress, Ireland and uh, Afghanistan. So, Afghanistan actually won the first T20 very comfortably. But then... You know, Ireland sort of woke up, shrugged off their slumber, and then they beat Afghanistan very easily. Now, it looks like, well, rain has intervened. So, 95 for 5 after 15 overs, Afghanistan are batting first. And, well, it was Ireland who actually chose to field first, I must say. And now, Afghanistan were in a bit of trouble. They couldn't really get going. So, just a quick uh, prediction. Which team do you see finishing the series, the winner? Or will it be the rain winning? I think it's going to be the rain winning, right? Because this is the fifth and final... um match hmm. um which, which i think sadly we, we might not see see a result i think islands have had quite a straight I've, I've ended up watching quite a lot of island this um uh this winter uh, sorry this summer even they've had hmm. quite a strange um summer where they just lack inconsistency right they nearly um got they nearly beat india at one point uh, one hmm. of the was it an T, yeah it was a t20 t20 they, yes yeah they ne- they nearly got over the line in the first in the first one, right? And then they nearly should have beaten New Zealand. They should have won the New Zealand series, and they didn't. Co- like they just kept fluffing their lines. Um, <laughs> I I, th- I think w- what's going on with Irish cricket in the last few years is extraordinary. Actually, um, when when I was a child, I you know I played uh, school cricket and a bit of club cricket with with a lot of people of Irish you know from an Irish background. And um, I remember one one of one of my mates who was who was a very good cricketer and ended up doing a bit of Middlesex stuff and and stuff was at one oh. point contacted by the Irish um, cricket board mm. and he he kind of looked at it and at the time he he kind of decided it wasn't for him he was going to pursue a different route I don't know if he subsequently regretted that 
but mm. for mm. I've obviously never been to the Netherlands. I've never been to the Netherlands and don't know what how much uh, kind of cricket infrastructure there is there. But I know in Ireland there isn't a huge amount of cricket infrastructure. Um, it is a game that you know is it, it is played. There's a decent number of people who play it. But I think for the resources they have, they've made the absolute most of it um, and, and got the most out of the team. And mm. l- long may it succeed. And like, again, I think like I think they're just at a stage where they just need to play a lot more regular cricket. It was right. after I looked up, you know, one of the few one of the first teams I looked at when I saw that future tools program was Ireland. And I realized in the next five years, they've only got 12 tests. Um, oh, wow. OK. Yeah. And and they don't really have a proper first class structure at the moment as well. Mm. Um, I don't know whether the plans are is if you know what the plan is to put a first class structure in. Maybe they they might try and get a march on, on the ECB and create a you know a, a fully a full giant franchise league, um, inviting all the IPL teams uh, to, mm. to, to come and have a chunk of it uh, early on. Um, right. I I I think with with with, with Ireland. Irish people love sport, like they really love sport, um, mm. and and they they love a whole range of sports. They've got their I don't know how much you I don't know if you've ever been to Ireland, Adjunt, but they've got, they've got their own sports GAA, which are basically only exclusively played in Ireland. But they play it from a really young age, and it, it's made both men and women quite a lot more athletic than they're kind of on average than than their the English counterparts for sure. Mm. Um, but it also gives them great hand-eye coordination skills. So you, you'll find if you, if you get an Irish teenager, they can pretty much turn their hand to any sport. They, you know, they've had over the years they've had moments of having a world-class football team, having you know currently that they just beat the All Blacks in in rugby mm, union. Wow. Um, in, in that was in a series, and I think uh, you know cricket might be the next sport that they really embrace. And right. I, I do think the, re- the the rest of the cricketing world, in a way, needs to kind of get behind them. We all love watching Paul Sterling, and you know, I know Kevin O'Brien. I saw Kevin O'Brien retired the other day, and and, he, exactly. and he'll be yeah. he'll be he'll be greatly missed because he was a great servant for them. Um, but you know, they've got to put in now that they've got test status. I think they've got to firstly get people to come and play them, and I mm-hmm. think that might have to be people out with outside this calendar. Um, the FTP cycle. Um, mm-hmm. So just inviting people over. And then they've got to put a structure underneath it as well. Um, a lot of their players, a lot of their squad aren't um, from Ireland. They're, you know, they, they're, they're Irish, but have been born and, and, and raised in other places. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think a, part, a key part of it is to try and keep finding those, um, those talents. I mean, through, I'd imagine through county cricket, you could probably find quite a number of people who have Irish ancestry, and I imagine you could probably do the same in 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 Australia and possibly New Zealand, and South Africa as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm, and then you can t- let, let's talk about Afghanistan for a moment as well, mm-hmm. because the my worry for Afghanistan is that they just become a, a um, all, all, you know, th- there's this great. Again, I've never been to Afghanistan, so I'm just regurgitating stuff that I've read. But there's this great uh, culture of cricket in Afghanistan. Now, Afghanistan only really embraced cricket about 20 years ago. Um, And, you know, we know politically there's been a lot, there's a lot of change happened last year in Afghanistan. Um, From what we hear, it sounds like the Taliban, I I can't even believe I'm saying this because it sounds crazy to even talk about this, but the mm-hmm. Taliban are, are, are kind of quite pro-Afghanistan playing cricket, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. As long as it's the men's team, but go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's obviously issues issues like that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, how, how how does the rest of the cricket world, how does the rest of the cricket community express that we are do not agree with what the Taliban believes, but we also want to support Afghanistan's cricket-playing nation, right? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, Rashid Khan is, you know, he's, he's obviously one of the best spinners in the world at the moment. Absolutely. And he's also probably one of the most, um, one of the players who's, who's plays the most amount of franchise cricket mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, I think Australia tried a bit when they could not accommodate Afghanistan's test. That was their way of trying to tell Afghanistan you need to be more inclusive. We are very happy because uh, Rashid Khan still played in BBL later in that year, right? So it was the message was sort of given in that way, saying that you know you have to be a bit more accommodative, but you know for your team to be made acceptable. So there are certain journeys, especially for certain uh, nations coming. Uh, 
from places where there is a bit more turmoil back home it could also be namibia that way it is not going to be an easy journey for them so as good as a team they can put out sometimes things that happen back home can color how you are perceived as a cricketing nation as well and you may or may not get opportunities based on those things certain political things that may or may not be happening back home so it's it's a journey that certain countries have to traverse themselves but definitely if the big 3 can even host certain t- nations for a t20 tournament or a bilateral series there'll be there'll be a huge change and how certain other nations will immediately look at it so i i don't i don't know about you ajit but i i remember the 90s and into the noughties there used to be a lot more uh tournaments involving three you know white ball to- well, i uh-huh. suppose odi tournaments involving three teams right yeah yeah and in I, australia I, yeah 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 in yeah. australia and even in england and and stuff like that Mm-hmm. And um, I used to love those tournaments when I was a kid. I don't know why we can't bring them back. Um, I think it takes too long. I think these days you have these big franchise tournaments, which equally take as long, but with ten teams, right? So yeah. back in the day, the crowd, the calendar was never this crowded. So they were able to actually take you know, two months to play um, uh, eight eight games against each other each, and then play at the best of three finals. You cannot really imagine that happening in this day and age because that's way too long a tour. for any team to play and then spend overseas that sort of time yeah. they would play two franchise tournaments and uh, odi tournament in between with all that money all that time so at least for me that's a very tough thing a couple of small uh, quick news so um meg lanning has decided to take time out of the game for personal reasons we wish her all the best in whatever she's looking for and we wish she comes back to cricket uh, much stronger because well we know she's a champion cricketer and she's done so much for australian cricket and women's cricket around the world right and then yeah. we ha- go on oh, no, i was going to say yeah i mean the only thing i was going to say is this is this seems to be a problem for everyone right i think there's just too much cricket going on and i know, i know this is something that a lot of people have been talking about the last few months but it really needs addressing doesn't it absolutely i mean it could be that it could be something else that we are not privy to but yeah. in any case we really hope uh, she's able to come out on the other side stronger uh, the other news similar news is trent bolt opting out of a central contract for new zealand i mean it looks like what you just said with this land grab air quotes going on for all the t20 franchisee uh, yeah landscape that there is out there uh, somebody like trent bolt might have a contract with mumbai indians or one of the other franchises where he plays three of their tournaments every year and he earns as much as he would ever earn playing for new zealand and more he would still have endorsements so he would just retire happily so this is one of the guys who's already stepped out look you have to respect him literally 400, 540 plus wickets internationally of which the major chunk was in tests so he's done really well for himself and for his country but you would think he had another good year of test match cricket left and if he doesn't represent new zealand again in tests at least as a test match fan i would feel a bit disappointed but uh, what are your thoughts on that well, well there's two things right is firstly we never really know how the players are feeling physically mm-hmm. um so he you know we might see him and think maybe he's got you know a year 18 months left in him but maybe mm-hmm. he just feels like he's done because we you know uh, yeah we we don't know how his legs feel in the morning we don't know how <laughs> how difficult he feels um the the other thing is is while it's obviously a great privilege and i don't i don't I'm, i can, i think you can say this and still acknowledge it's a great privilege i think it's really hard physically just being Absolutely. a test cricketer mm-hmm. the other the other thing is and i think this is a much more important point your your career only lasts so long um you know we, we're talking about this land grab i think if you if you're in if you're the wrong side of 30 Mm. um then you've got to be thinking how long can i play franchise cricket for how do i manage my body to get mm-hmm. as much out of out of this so i play as much franchise cricket as possible i've got i've upset a few people in england when i've said if i was joe root i'd maybe play up to the end of this year <laughs> test cricket up to the end of this year and just focus primarily on playing uh, t20 because i think that'd be the difference between having to work for the rest of his life to mm. to to mm. keep to keep him in in the life he's accustomed to. I'm not saying that Joe Root um is is by any which way poor or by you know if he goes away and plays test cricket from you know the beginning of the next IPL sorry T20 cricket from the beginning of the next IPL he'll probably make enough money that his his grandkids and great grandkids will have some <laughs> of it left in the bank right. So financially for me I think you got to you got to weigh these things up. So look, a cricketer looking out for himself is not a very bad thing anymore. Huh? 
Kevin Peterson did it. Many cricketers did it back then. We thought it was a little bit selfish, but we understand a cricketer has a very narrow period of his own life to earn as much as he can to last him the rest of his life or her life, right? So, well, I mean, it's coming. You are absolutely right. This is coming. So, from one FTP to another, so the women's uh, FTP has already been released. Seven tests, 135 ODIs, and 150 90 20s. This is very good. This is a four-year FTP, but still. it looks much healthier than before seven tests is more than they did in the previous four years so i'm already very happy so again the big three play many tests along with south africa as well so this is good i mean it's headed in the right direction but a lot more can be done but at least we are happy icc is beginning to take uh women's cricket more seriously and that will mean the big three boards will and that means you know i think probably england and australian boards were already very serious about it now indian board is also keen on taking it seriously because as long as they can think of monetizing it they will start an ipl next year right that's what we get to hear yeah and I, i think actually the big thing in women's cricket is waiting about now for this women's ipl to start i think it's you know we'll hear and it's going to start in march i think once it does mm. start and that it will you know they'll take a season to figure out how popular it is mm-hmm. i think it will be much more popular than they realize um and what it will become a, vi- a very viable product very quickly and i think that's going to have a huge impact on women's cricket and i think the thing it will do um is it will bring in the other nations mm-hmm. uh, it'll bring in your bangladeshis your shrankers your um um your your new zealands and and your west indies more into yeah. into in, into the, into the envelope of it a little bit women's cricket is effectively stop you know it doesn't have the calendar it doesn't have the baggage that the men's game has so mm-hmm. i think it can it can create something that will feel much more sustainable in terms of how much cricket is played much earlier on um, right i think it's quite an exciting time for women's cricket though um you know there 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 still isn't enough of it not no not that there is enough of it in play it's not being shared fairly it's still essentially the big 3 um and but i do, i do i do you know in 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 the uk for, in particular we're having an you know there's this whole indian mm. need to start the women's ipl i think the women's ipl will much like the men's ipl it will yeah. just crush all the other leagues mm. right so i do, i do think the women's ipl is a double edged sword in some way uh you know everyone loves the women's 100 in 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 England but what impact will the women's IPL have have on that in terms of you know the players that are made available and um uh the the you know, where the women's 100 stands in, in the structure of of women's cricket but that's all up in up for grabs at the moment right absolutely i mean we are going to see this settle and once and for all again probably three or four big leagues sort of taking a major majority of the calendar also for women just like what we are going to see for men maybe it will take couple more years longer that's the way i see it happen let's see how it goes well that brings us nearly to the end of all the topics we wanted to discuss we want to bid mr ian chapel goodbye on a wonderful 45 year commentary career on top of a wonderful playing career as a player and captain he's such an influential commentator and such a forthright voice both in and outside the commentary box i think we're going to miss him mark oh yeah definitely absolutely definitely i th- i think i won't realize how much uh personally i won't realize how much we miss him until we get to the Aussie summer and they start playing test cricket right? <laughs> um yes. and and you know may- maybe that last ashes series he thought for australian cricket this is as good as it gets it's time to hang up the the microphone who knows mm. i mean in that interview before he quit he said you know you're that much closer to saying something wrong and you have to watch everything you say and that's not fun anymore right you get to an age where you have to be careful so that fab four is now gone richie beno has moved on bill lorist hung up his boots and uh, chapel is gone so well i mean it's 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 a tough thing when you you can't imagine that that entire commentary crew not being there at all right and then i mean he had some health issues as well so we really hope uh, he goes well and spends the remainder of his uh, whatever god given life he has being as forthright and stick into the man as he has always done i i'm sure he will be and i'm sure he'll be <laughs> you know he'll be back involved with his local club and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, uh very as soon as he can be as soon as the summer starts and uh, i'm sure there'll, there'll be people around him getting those forthright views no doubt at all 
absolutely wonderful all right so that brings us to a very very enjoyable chat for me mark i mean i did not see where the time went it's just flown by we've talked about a variety of topics you've been you've been wonderful and i would love to have you again on the podcast oh any any time thanks for having me thanks for asking me it's a pleasure and honor to be on well i would say the both of those things are also mine so would you like to uh, plug anything anything upcoming from you apart from your social media handles i have got something hung, uh, upcoming that i'm not sure exactly when it starts i'm not sure when i'm allowed to plug it but if you follow me on social media mm. at mark machado on twitter on instagram i'm insta machado and you follow my cricket podcast blog whatever you want to call it at merrily pod um then you will see what we've got going on uh or what's coming down the line if you're a fan of shrunken cricket you definitely want to be involved in this i think wonderful wonderful news looking forward to whatever that will be and however soon that's going to come out well at least i found uh, mark through his podcast the murli and podcast and it's very very lovely to listen to it and he posts more of these forthright views and very knowledgeable and very uh, let's say f- uh, far reaching opinions that he has on cricket so we also recommend uh, the podcast to all of our listeners so thanks a lot mark thanks for having and, me uh, we wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from bye 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 this is the armchair cricket podcast <laughs>